everyone to the Disco Posse podcast. My name is Eric Wright. I'm going to be your host today. Don't forget to keep following along. You can go to discopossepodcast.com, get show notes, links, and more. You can subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher. And with that, let's get started. And we're live. We're back. Whatever it is. Uh, wow, this is cool. I, I'm super glad because Ethan Banks, uh, for folks who didn't already catch Ethan on the previous episode i've been lucky enough to to chat in the past we've talked about uh it was we've we delved into the idea of professional podcasting the the challenges and joy of doing it and uh, one of the subjects that came up in the midst of that conversation was about kind of personal productivity and for folks that are listening you know that We've been doing some neat stuff. Um, hey, just if you're the first time listening at all, of course, my name is Eric Wright. I'm your host here at the Disco Posse podcast. Uh, Ethan Banks is joining me. And today, the subject I'm going to call, this is my, this is my clickbait headline. I'm going to call it, I call it VOMO, the value of missing out. Uh, and the, the less friendly term, I was going to call it goodbye, cruel world, because I kind of think that's state of social media makes me want to say that sometimes in in the best way so ethan if you want to introduce yourself again to folks uh find, where can we find you online occasionally and uh and then we're going to get into why that's important we ask the question. yeah i am ethan banks you will find me occasionally on twitter at ec banks uh i'm on linkedin and that's really it for social stuff you know beyond that you got to dig around a bit and uh, scrounge an email address and you can get a hold of me that way uh maybe i only check my inbox on a schedule, not all the time. So thank you for inviting me back, Eric. It's nice to be here again. It's, it's such a blast because I, I've dabbled in a few different things of like, how do you find the way to, you know, like stay productive, stay connected. And then this merger of the two things. I started off year, years ago, like uh, my side gig was like I was doing blogging, doing a ton of reading and, and really following the industry news, like moment by moment, like literally like, you know, pulling down on the phone to get a refresh on Twitter to see if something new was going on. But it was very purposeful that I was chasing news. I was chasing stuff. I was writing every day uh, for myself and for other other blogs. And so it, it was a reason. And then years later, you know, here I am finding like, and that's killing me. You know, for for one thing, it's just a time eater. And even worse, it's like, it's exposing me to like a lot of weird noise and and that can literally be mood altering, um, you know. So talk to us about like your journey to discovering why you needed to pull back or disconnect a bit and, and how that led to productivity and, and bonus work. So for, for me, what social media comes down to is, uh, is about goals, personal goals. What are you trying to do in your life? And is social media helping you or hurting you with those goals. Now I'm, I'm the co-founder of Packet Pushers, packetpushers.net. So my world is media and podcasting and writing and uh, letting people know about content that I've created and so on. So in theory, I should be able to look at that job description that I've got right now and go, well, obviously I need to be on social media, right? Because that's, that's where you're going to talk about your content. I got to be there all the time interacting with people and you know, and so on. And, and the problem is, 
and particularly with the kind of uh, writing and podcasting work that I do, it tends to be very, very deep and technical and aimed at engineers. And so I need a lot of time to research and think and uh, read and study and uh, do lab work and um, write code and so on. Well, how do you do that if I'm, uh, if I'm on Twitter all the time looking at whatever the latest comments are because there's a never-ending you know, flood of people saying words and uh, you know, tweeting and sharing pictures and, and or interacting with me directly. Um, and, and so, Eric, I think you know, for me, it comes back to this, this book I read by uh, Cal Newport. Uh, Cal Newport wrote a book called Deep Work, and he's a researcher in this area. And, he, and one of the uh, premise, uh, premises in Deep Work was you, you need to have time to focus when you're getting something done, to really get deep work done, to get deep thinking done. So, so say I'm researching, I'll give you an example of a current uh, project I'm working on. I'm writing a white paper, kind of an introductory white paper on segment routing for IPv6. To describe what it does, put it in its proper technical context, explain how it works, interrelate the IETF documentation that goes along with this, consume the educational videos that are already out there about the topic, and then distill all of that into some kind of a document that's going to make sense for someone who's trying to acquaint themselves as an engineer with this topic where it can't be light and fluffy, it's got to be deep but still give them the background they need into it if they've never read it before. It means I have to be able to think deeply about the topic to get all the writing done and uh, that, that I need to do. You don't get deep work done when you're running to your email, running to Twitter, uh, running over to LinkedIn, checking these responses, notifications are going off on your phone, and someone and you're constantly in this reactionary state. For me to be able to write a paper like that, I have to have hours of time in which I am uninterrupted. And that's a long way to say uh, I got to a point of turning off almost everything, almost every notification I could possibly get is gone and or just completely opting out of a lot of things. And I'm waving my hands right now, which you cannot see. Podcasting's bad for that, but I'm doing a lot of just wild gesticulation right now to try to uh, you know, uh, emphasize just how strongly I feel about this stuff. It's, it's something that we've you 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 found it and like did you did you feel like when did you know it was a problem like did you proactively say like i'm gonna do some stuff and like maybe you had an early project you're working on and so i'm gonna set aside time or did you find that through not getting the thing done or not feeling like you're putting the attention to it that you stopped and said hey why am i why am I not feeling like I'm in this task? Oh, oh it's definitely the latter. I get up in the morning. I maintain a project list. I use an app called Todoist. So Todoist is my, that is my Bible for the day. When I get up in the morning, whatever Todoist says I'm doing today, that is what I'm working on. And then I get to the end of the day, and a lot of times my I didn't, move the needle very far into do it. I didn't get done all the things I wanted to get done. And I'd sit back and go, I was here cranking away for eight hours, 10 hours. Why didn't I get done everything that I wanted to get done? And then as I would honestly reflect back on how I had spent my time during the day, oh yeah, I was working on email for like an hour and that got, that sucked me down to this rabbit hole for these reasons. And it wasn't anything I had to do. It's just, I just did. And cause you know, email has got to be important. Right. And and then, oh, right, I, I, I got that mention on Twitter, and that turned into that conversation, and then I ended up going off in this other direction, and that was another hour gone, and, 
And over the course of a day, having all these little distractions, it would add up to me not getting enough done. And I'm staring at to do is going, uh, okay, I didn't get done all the things. Something's got to change here. And, and nowhere in your to-do list does it say find the perfect reaction gift to uh, un- unknown no. Twitter that will occur, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, it doesn't. And that stuff is fun. I mean, you can troll through um, uh, Giphy, for example, was one of my fun bad habits back in the day. And just look at all these clever memes and then get inspired to write some meme and put it out on Twitter just to see how many likes I could get, which has exactly zero profit if my goal in life is to understand technology at a very deep level and share it with other people, which is what it is. That's my my mission statement and what I try to do uh, for other folks. It's fun, but it is a, a, a waste of time. And, and again, it goes back to that idea, what do I want to do with my time? What are the things I really want to accomplish? Uh, something, you're doing something for all of those hours for the day, but is it focused on the one task or is it, you know, that constant state of reactionary distraction and, uh, and fritting away time with things you don't need to do? And of course, to be fair, Eric, I'm kind of poking at social media specifically, but um, I, I do think it goes back to other distractions as well because you, could, you can take a step back. I think we could maybe agree that it's very easy to waste time on, on social media, I've been saying Twitter because that's where our, my most of my social media energy goes. But of course, Facebook and all the rest of those would come under that umbrella. But what about email? How needful is 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 email? And I've I've written about this some, but email, I, in my opinion, is largely a task list that's assigned to you by other people who aren't especially interested in your projects and what you are trying to get done. They're what they want you to do, which in the workplace, maybe that's necessary, maybe that's needful, but how much, how many email threads do we get copied on that are like, I can put this on ignore. I don't actually need to participate in this or add any value to the conversation, but yet we, it's email. So I got to keep up with it. And you do, we're just these slaves to our email. And, oh, inbox has got 10 new messages in the last hour. I better, I better get in there and see what's going on. That's, what I call pretend work. It's, it's like work. It feels like work, but it isn't actually accomplishing anything. It's just busy work, you know? And the, but then along came Slack, the email killer. Neither did it kill email, nor did it create better connections, you know, for depending on how you use it, of course, like for some people, it's a good way to keep interactive, but yeah, like I'm, I'm with you email. I've, uh, my, my view of email is it's not an immediacy like method and and I get this all the time people like they'll start I'll see a an email thread building and I turned off the conversation view in my email client for because I use office 365 and you can have conversation view it just basically packs up so you would expand it out I like no I like to watch it stream up and the moment this thing starts to look like a ticker I just close outlook because I'm like I'm gonna wait till they're done and I'm gonna come back and, and view the <laughs> aftermath and see what's because if you inject yourself in the midst of this sort of like very organic live moving conversation through email you're now grabbing onto a thread and then using that point in time to assess should i do a thing or whatever and quite often i find it's just is people using email as a way to have an asynchronous you know thread of conversation that's not because it's not synchronous and it is asynchronous so you'll go in and out so and i learned if i answer every email and answer every version of the thread then I'm, I feel amazing. And then if I don't, I feel even more amazing. Because <laughs> like right. an hour and a half later, 
it's the last email in the thread will be good then let's agree that this wouldn't be a value to do and let's just for let's just kill this idea and I'm like but if i had started five minutes into the thread or five or like if i'd answered the immediate you know oh is there anything we've got that's like a infographic for this thing I'm like ooh, let me run to canva and like start creating infographic and i would start doing all this stuff and and it would be no value you know to me at the because there'd be no outcome so i stopped well, and I, that, it was weird it's, it's hard to change your patterns though in group conversations it's it's certainly harder to do what i'm about to suggest here but one of the things i've learned and i i I don't remember if I got this from Cal Newport and deep, the deep workbook, or if I got this from Tim Ferriss or where I picked this up. But my strategy now with email is to try to bring that thread to a conclusion if I'm responding. So for example, one of the things I need to do frequently is schedule uh, meetings, uh, you know, podcast recordings, whatever it might be. I will say in that email, Hey, send me back some times that might work for you. No, uh, instead I give people either my scheduling tool, you need to click here and schedule the time for us to record. So that should in theory, as long as they do it, bring the email to a close. Or if I don't feel that's the right way to interact with that person, I might say, here are three times that I'm available over the next two weeks. Do any of these work for you? Pick one and, and try to just, again, the whole idea, bring that email conversation to a conclusion rather than, give a terse quick response that feels like you're interacting when all you're really doing is hitting the ball back over the net to them and you know they're going to have to hit back to you and it's not it's not done it's just busy work yeah it's and it and it's weird because there are times when email can is a good way to share content as a group sort of thing of like we used to joke uh so you know somebody on my team used to like would forward an article and it would just say the article link thoughts question mark and be like Oh, this is terrible because it's my fault now. Like I'm, <laughs> I'm now I have to, I have to read it. I have to evaluate it. But what I realized was the learning the purpose of that type of interaction was very purposeful of like, go freely and think about what is the message that's being said in here. And this is valuable to us and, uh, you know, learning the pattern. But when you're, especially when you're talking with somebody who, yeah, like same thing, I'm scheduling a podcast. I did, I learned from you in that way of like, don't just say, hey, you know, what time would be good for you? Because you're going to get, I know, how's tomorrow? Mm, reply. Tomorrow, not so good. Uh, but Wednesday, maybe. Uh, Wednesday, reply back. Wednesday, no good. Uh, how about Thursday? <laughs> are you PT or ET? Reply back. Thursday, <laughs> sketchy, exactly. but ET. Yes. And like, <laughs> versus just saying, here, like you said, here's the scheduling tool. And if I don't get a reply back and I really need to make it happen, I'll say, tell you what, here's two blocks that, that are, that are good because we want to get this, we want to get this on paper fast and that will kind of encourage the next, the next interaction. But yeah, if I, if you always leave it open-ended, it, it never gives you, you know, the, what you need. And another Tim Ferriss tip, I think it was, it was, a, it was his stuff was, be very batch with the way you approach email. And, and I learned that. So I don't open email in the morning. Yeah. I, the first thing yeah. I do is I, I call it more, it's morning page. I call it like it's as if I invented it. That's called morning pages where you like spend five minutes, like writing down like thoughts, stuff you want to approach in the day. And it's something that you would revisit in the evening. Like, Hey, did I kind of, what was my thought process going into the day? And then I wait and I do some yeah. work. I do learning work. And then at nine thirty or 10 AM, I open email for half an hour. I process a bunch of stuff and then I close it 
until like 1 32 o'clock in the afternoon and and i've learned to, to be able to be batch be and it luckily people like kind of map to it because it became a thing of if you tell somebody like if somebody answers you right away there you then want to reply right away and you think it's real time but it's not and if someone answers like the next day you're like all right it's good you know like what are you gonna do you're gonna scream at them like why didn't you answer me an hour later and like you don't know what their schedule was you don't know like it's it's a very weird thing of uh you know it's like my my lesson was don't treat it like you're in a room full of people and email is the way that you communicate treat email as a task-based thing and you know pull it accordingly yeah i'm very much the same with email where it's it's done in in batches i tend to hit it twice a day usually first thing in the morning where i won't necessarily answer everything that's there but i look to see that there's nothing hot that really ideally shouldn't wait for the end of the day which is the next time i'm likely to look at email um because batching it for me it, because it is such a distraction or you know small tasks or rabbit trail oriented kind of a of an activity i don't want to do that in the middle of my day i want to stay focused on my calendar or on a research project or whatever it is i'm doing and not get caught up in whatever whatever email is going to uh, you know invite for me which is uh, which is troublesome yeah email i've also gotten very heavily into rules so um I have uh, Gmail is my email supplier. You mentioned Office 365. I'm guessing we're going to have some of the same features here, but I uh, have invested a great deal of time in writing rules that move items into folders and or delete certain things that have maybe keywords in them or things like that that I know I'm not going to be interested in. That has also cut back on a lot of the noise that's in my mailbox and compartmentalizes it so that Mostly what I see in my top level inbox is you know, fresh items, new things, uh, business related or content related or scheduling related, something that I need to deal with. And most of the rest of what I get gets sent off in different folders that I know I can deal with when I want to review the newsletters I'm subscribed to or when uh, I happen to get a lot of uh, pitches from PR people that uh, come in because I'm in media and they want me to cover their topics which I don't usually because most of their pitches are terrible, but I do, I get those, <laughs> but I've invested a lot of time in, there. <laughs> yeah, I invested a lot of time in getting those PR um, subdomains routed to a specific folder so that I can consume those pitches at a time when I mentally uh, am, am ready to do that. that. That's helped a lot. Another thing I, I do with email, Eric, I don't know if you've gotten into this, but I use, um, on, I'm a, on a Mac and I use a tool called Rocket Typist. What Rocket Typist does for me is allows me to type an abbreviation and then uh, it expands into a whole paragraph of text. And I have certain blocks of text that I say over and over again. So Rocket Typist does that for me. I think Text Expander was really popular for a long time, but it got kind of pricey. And I found Rocket Typist does, uh, does a pretty great job, uh, which saves me time in my inbox rather than sitting and carefully thinking about how, what I want to say. It's the same thing I got to say, you know, 50 times because it's a, it's a repetitive task block it into an abbreviation that rocket type it recognizes boof, expands all the text into the email and it, it also is uh, macro uh, capable where as it expands that if i need to fill in the blank with someone's name or a weekday or something like that it'll do that for me and rather than spending however long to type artisanally by hand some yeah. paragraph it just 
blast it all out for me and I know there's no errors in it. I know there's no typos and it says what needs to be said and off you go, hit send and get that email done uh, and out of the way. And it's funny that it's, it is, uh, I've used uh, similar techniques, even just with like the, you can fudge with iOS as well. Uh, and, and it does like auto, especially because I'll have it where I'll, I'll answer stuff on my phone and there's nothing worse than like having to like tap out a thing with horrifying autocorrect going on. And so I found stuff like, yeah, like scheduling the podcast. I'm like, I want to reply back and say, great. Uh, here's how you schedule the podcast. Go to HTTP colon forward slash forward slash. Like, like, no, 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 no. That's not going to work out. How many times does it reply back? They're like, try the link. It doesn't seem to work. And it's like disco pose podcast. I'm like, ah. So I just have <laughs> Stop it like, helping. I, just, I just do DP pod. I just literally type the word DP pod because there's no reason why you would do that. And it just expands to, yeah. great, go to this link and pick out a time and that'll set up a Zoom session for us. Like that's it. It's, and it's a beauty yeah. of, of automation. And, and the simplest little thing that once you've realized you can do it, like, ooh. And especially when you've got repetitive things that you deal with, you know, it, it, it doesn't always work, you know. And I, I've, <laughs> I'll tell you one thing, I don't automate my closings. And this is a weird one because this is one I do like to personalize. And I exclamate too many things because I'm an excited person. But hey, <laughs> uh, I like to say thanks or awesome, you know, whatever. Like I say a thing at the end and it's probably the same thing regularly, but I have a weird thing that I never want to automate saying thanks, Eric. Like that just for whatever reason internally, because when you see people and they reply back and it says like warmest regards, which is basically like the, the North American version of bless your heart. Like it, <laughs> there's nothing more worse to say to something than warmest regards. Cause like you're basically saying, I don't care anything about you just trying to close this email out in a business way. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I do have a, you know, a line I draw between uh, whether I'll use a scripted body of a message or whether I'll personalize it. And it, it's kind of a feel thing. Um, some people I have a personal relationship with and uh, or I'm developing one and it's important to me to say things that are you know more personal and so I'll, I'll type them by hand but but I for me again just that that emphasis on being efficient when I can it all that time that you save adds up and helps you go back to your focus whatever that focus project is that you want to do which is which is kind of a big deal um, but another point about email is I think a lot of people are, are slaves to it in the sense of, oh, I got to respond right now. And they don't really buy into the whole asynchronous. They really want to respond quickly because that, that means they care and they're, they're responsive because, <laughs> yeah. nah, really you don't. Um, you, and you just will never get into that, that flow state, that place of mental engagement where you've had a thought and then another thought that builds on that one and then that sparks another idea and then ooh, there's a question that results from that that you can go and explore that takes you down deep into that subject you, you never get into that deep place if like oh ding got a message in my inbox i'm gonna go respond to that real quick like because i'm very dutiful and responsible and i want people to like me so i'm gonna respond to the email right now it's pointless there's no reason to be a slave to that uh, very few people, I think. Well, let's put it this way. Maybe there are a few people that need you to respond to them in email very quickly. You've got a boss, you've got a, a coworker, there's some circumstance there. Maybe set up a, a special notification for those circumstances. But for the vast majority of people, 
get to your email responses when you are, are batching them uh, at the end of the day, or the beginning of the day, whenever you like to do it, and uh, and allow yourself to be focused the rest of the time on on what I think of it as real work. Um, Oh, can we talk about notifications, Eric? This oh, another, another one of my hot button topics. This is this is actually what I want to ask on next. Like, it's, it's not only the interactions that you want to get rid of, but stop with the you know ding. Buzz, buzz. Yep. <laughs> so I have um, no notifications I have set anymore whatsoever, with one exception, and that is I have a a list on my phone for my family so that if I get a direct message from uh, my wife or one of my kids that I will be notified by. Um, I, my phone doesn't even ring unless it is from someone in my contacts list. Uh, as I'm, I have the same problem. A lot of people have now with the, uh, the robocallers callers and the scam callers hitting my cell phone. Uh, so I put my phone in permanent do not disturb mode unless you're in my contacts list and I've got your phone number, then it will ring. Other than that, no. So I get no inbox notifications from my email. I get no notifications from Twitter of any kind. I get no notifications from uh, LinkedIn. Uh, again, unless I'm actually in that interface. If I go into LinkedIn, it'll tell me, oh, you've got you know, two notifications at the top, uh, whatever it is. I keep unsubscribing from things that LinkedIn thought I might like. Uh, it decided that for me, and I, <laughs> I've been, you know, nope, that. not interested in that, not interested in that, and it gets, it's gotten down to finally just people that I'm connected to, uh, and or follow in LinkedIn, and Twitter. I only interact with Twitter. Occasionally, I'll look at my phone. Uh, I don't use the app for Twitter, but I use the mobile interface, the mobile web interface, which is slightly painful to use, and that's the point. I don't want it to be a very pleasant experience because I don't want to get into that scrolling, scrolling, scrolling Twitter addiction or any social media addiction like that. Where If I find my thumb scrolling, scrolling, scrolling because I'm looking for a funny thing or the next thing or whatever it is that I'm looking for, it's like, oh, that, my flag goes off my head. I, I, that's broken. But so I have no notifications they're going to send me there to begin with. And then when I do on my phone, it's, it's the mobile.twitter.com app in, in my uh, Safari as I'm using an iPhone so that it's a, it's a somewhat cumbersome experience. When I'm not using my phone, I'm on a desktop, I use TweetDeck uh, and Buffer. So Buffer allows me to schedule tweets ahead of time and I use that for things that I don't need to tweet right now or don't you know care to tweet right now and just schedule them and let them go when they go i have reasons to use twitter i'm in the media business i mean i do have a reason to share content right. and kind of you know, whatever for some stuff yeah. yeah yeah it is a good what i really like is the idea that you've brought in which is like use it when you need it not because it's always there and that's that's what we get wrapped into was a it's just it's basics of psychology that no one really wants to face is that we are we're, we're wrapped with addictive personality traits you know from from day one of most of us to, in different ways i mean there's certain things we have whether it's food you know it's it's interactivity but unfortunately with social media as an example like i i had sort of the thing of i would go in and like you said you find yourself scrolling and then keep scrolling and then keep scrolling and then it's like 15 minutes in you're still scrolling like you're now like hitting the show more tweets because you want to see what else you missed and what I started to be able to do, and this is, I had to, I had to make sure I knew I was doing it. It had to be purposeful was going in and kind of 
if I see a retweet of something an hour and a half later, like I, I would check, I would see a retweet and I would look at that more so than I would look at the live stream because it would show me that this was, somebody else felt this was worthy of sharing, then maybe it's worthy of looking at. But again, it's, you know, I had to really say, I need to get something done. You know, I want to interact with people because I do interact with people sometimes only through Twitter. I've got lots of folks that I talk to, but you know, even to that point of just saying like, Hey, you know, I, I got to the point of going and replying back to somebody saying, Hey, off Twitter for a while. Uh, what's up? You know, sorry, like answering my DMS and my DMS are open, mm-hmm. but this is one that you taught me as well. I, I picked it up from the last time we, we chatted. I've got my DMS send an email. So right. I, don't, I don't go into Twitter to see it. And like you, if I have like, if I even see something like funny, like a weird thing at the grocery store, like they've misspelled something. So, you know, screw you misspelling grocery person. I'm going to share your <laughs> naughtiness on the world and, and get yeah. deeper out of it. I will take the picture and I will use the Apple like send to, to send it to Twitter. And that's it. Like, so I'm never really going to Twitter. Right. Yeah. I'm an idiot and I will yes. go into Twitter and as I hit like tweet, I'll see something. I'm like, Oh, hang on a second. But you're not an idiot though. That's the thing. If you study this, uh, and it's pretty, pretty well known. I mean, you can Google this and find a bunch of studies and articles that cover this, the addictive behavior that we're, we, we, you and I have both experienced is just natural. The makers of social media uh, software understand that natural addictive behavior that we have and specifically are showing us content designed to keep us quote unquote engaged so that they can deliver ads. That's what it's all about. In other words, the systems that we are using that are you know free for us to use are purposely designed to leverage natural human behavior in such a way that we stay connected and we stay hooked to those apps. Uh, and the only way to get out of the trap that's been set for us is to not use them, not go into the trap. Uh, it, so it's not that when you get in there, you know, we're, we're idiots. It's that when we get in there, oh, we're, we're really victims uh, you know, in a way. Now, I don't want to take away personal responsibility and all that, but, but the reality is that we are being taken advantage of uh, because of how our brains are wired to work. And the only way to get out of the system is to, is to opt out. Uh, and I haven't completely shut down my Twitter account and so on because I got a job where it seems like a good idea to have such a thing. But, That's right. Yeah, so- but I'll tell you, some there is a day coming when I'm going to be on that Twitter uh, account profile of mine, and I'm going to I'm going to be hovering above the delete account you really want to do this? And I'm going to say yes. And it won't be soon, but someday that's coming. I know it's coming. I've been able to, like, I'm, I'm not on Facebook for very purposeful, like, just, I just, it wasn't a pleasant platform. I had a lot of weird experiences through friends and, and other relationships that, had, where I was like, I saw the negative capabilities, but Twitter for me was connecting with my nerds, you know, my, and my cyclists. Like that was the, where we all, we all met online and, and you always had sort of continuous access. Uh, and then over time, like LinkedIn is a good professional network. Um, it, it, so there's, and even then I don't know that I use it in the way that it was designed to be used, but it works for how I want to interact with people. And, and it was a really well, weird thing. You know, I mean, I, Slack hasn't replaced a lot of that kind of stuff for you because it, it has for me, which is why I asked the question. It's, uh, oh God, Slack is a whole beast unto itself. So my, my error, and I, I kind of rail on Slack a little hard sometimes 
because it's awful, but it's awful because of the way that I use it as well. I've created my own personal hell. What I do is I interact with Kubernetes community people. I interact with the OpenStack community people, with OpenStack Canada, the OpenStack Foundation. Uh, I've got seven you know, different Slack teams that are through my engineering team, my R&D team, my marketing team. Like everybody, no one wanted to buy Slack, so they just used a bunch of free, and they've all got their own like, oh, but we're in the channel already, so we want to keep that one. And then I've got <laughs> VMUG, I've got the global VMUG, my Toronto VMUG. Like, literally, I've got all these stacks of people that I interact with, and they're all like, yeah, just fire up Slack. Like, no, I have 28 Slack teams. <laughs> it's terrible. It's I've had to limit mine to I have the similar kind of thing. I mean, just related to my day job, I've got a corporate Slack group that uh, I'm in. I've got a Slack group we use for recording. We're actually paying for a Slack that allows us to do audio recording. That's worked well for our workflow. Then a third one that are people in the Packet Pushers community that want to interact with each other and uh, maybe with show hosts and these kind of things. It's been great for knowledge sharing and so on. But this endless bit of conversation. That's just the three of, I don't know how many Slack groups I'm in anymore. Several of them I've just signed out of because I, I can't, just can't keep up. Uh, but there's, I think, at least eight that, um, that, that are in my list that I've had to, again, going back to the notifications thing, shut off the vast majority of notifications or someone's talking in one of those Slack groups all day long and there's going to be that little white dot or the dash thing over on the side going, ooh, someone said a thing. I should guess <laughs> it is. I bet it's interesting and fun. Maybe it's hilarious. Maybe it's a question I can help with. Maybe it's the answer to a question I had. And, you know, you go, and you're back into the trap again. At least it's not engineered to trap you like uh, social media apps are, but it's a similar kind of it's the same result from a standpoint of, of flow, getting work done, uh, thinking deeply about your work and being able to advance it. It's still an interruption. It's still a distraction. It's still something that takes you out of that flow state. And so I've had to, again, with the notifications, just you know, kill them for almost all of the, uh, the Slack groups that I'm in. And the, the funny thing is, you talked about like getting out, you know, like you're, you're, you just know, you know, you've got the power to do it. And like, you kind of want to in a way because you, you can see the negative, negative aspects of, of being involved in, in social media or, or in something. Right. And I, I've actually had to, I've had to talk people off the ledge a couple of times. So like, like, Hey, read, <laughs> read deep work by Cal Newport. And they'll come back to me like three days later going, I think I'm deleting all my social accounts. I'm like, <laughs> Hold on a second, kid. Let's, let's just before you go, you know, move into a castle to write a book. Like, let's let's hold on a second here. <laughs> what do you, what what is it that you believe you need to do that for? And then kind of explore: is there a way you can stage it back or or change the pattern of use in in order to do it? And the other thing, and and this is the real reason, especially with kids. I, I worry more about this. Uh, you know, I've I've got kids, and and I'm I'm preparing them for having online identities because I know that it's kind of a thing, and to be able to be careful about it because the tough part it's not just the like I want to see what's going on all the time, and I want to get involved in conversations, and you know this FOMO, you know, fear of missing out because you're not scrolling Twitter and seeing your friends interact. It's that I do a lot of stuff very publicly, and so I'm bound to get feedback and you generally only get two types of feedback. That was really great. Or why are you on stage? You're valueless. 
and it's never <laughs> like that was a that was a moderately good uh, keynote and i was not dissatisfied like no one's <laughs> middle of the road <laughs> it's always like you know that containers really came from from you know solaris it wasn't from linux you dope you know like it's it's literally people that are so they love to get angry and then like take it out at you in 280 characters. And I, I called it, I always call it keynote explaining where like, as you're doing a live talk, someone in the audience is like totally wrong. You know, like just like, I love that because I'll never make that mistake again. And I like to find that person like, Hey, thanks for, for sharing that. Like, I appreciate that they did it in a way because it, they, they like, Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to be mean, but you know, People make that mistake all the time. Like, ah, aha, now that it, you're face to face with it. Like that's the, de the, the detached feeling that have means that people act differently on social media and it can have a negative impact on me. Like if I took that seriously, which I used to, I'd be like, wow, maybe I shouldn't be giving talks anymore. If I'm not researching enough, like, should I be different? Like, no, no, like you just, you have to, not be offended by it but at the same time also not take the like that was great i'm like thank you like i really appreciate that and that's it don't be like ha, ha, i'm great like no no it was just like that yeah. it's, it's it's funny about that i mean i, I think <laughs> dealing with um with, with feedback which I, I guess gets away from productivity for a minute but it's it's funny i i've dealt with all the same kind of things to people that thought it was great and then people that think it sucks but when you dig dig in and find out why someone thought it sucks usually it's an engineering uh, OCD kind of a personality that's very focused on particular details and it wasn't that everything you said was wrong it's that a nuance of one particular comment you made was a little bit off and they just latched onto that and now you're an idiot because of that one detail you got that wasn't quite right it's rare that it's like you completely blew it up it's more like that's the community we live in of of, uh, of picky people and so i've just learned to be like oh they they tweaked a nuance for me and i'll update whatever needs updating and credit them for it and that's been my style as opposed to i suck i shouldn't write anything publicly anymore that's right but it's definitely because that that thing that you know going through those mentions and being involved in in social media it it can really pull you into a place where you know, and i what's tough is i watch people around me and and i've reached this weird spot where i'm like oh, i want to you just want to like say hey i saw your twitter thread like you good like you like you don't you never want to like you want to say it but you know you can't because it's like god you'll probably make it worse but because I've, I've actually approached people where i'm like you're yes yeah, you good like everything you feel you feel really angry like you're like kind of running around looking for things to get offended by and then and then like ravaging people online about stuff like oh yeah i i saw someone who's fairly well known in the cloud space uh get on chatting about women in tech and all i'll say is he didn't say anything bad on purpose but he still lost <laughs> It wasn't even like he was taking a position. He just brought up a sensitive topic and took things in a bad direction. And he just got, and I can't imagine after he got blasted in the way that he did, what his productivity was like for the rest of the day. I would have been like, I would have been despondent, you know, and depressed and just, I don't know. I would have been eating, eating Cheetos the rest of the day, or at least the digital form, something to, <laughs> yeah. to some kind of comfort food to make me feel better after something like that. Well, and here's the other thing. So productivity 
is, you know, and the dangers of, of social. And that's why I really call it like, you know, goodbye, cruel world, like detaching from some of that stuff means getting rid of some of the negativity, not because I want to shut it out. Like I know the world's not all rainbows and sun it's, but it's more like, I don't need to overexpose myself. I don't need to purposefully inject myself into, into negative situations. Like, Hey, I'm not a Scientologist, but I kind of dig what they say, about like get rid of the negative people in your life. I'm like, I'm kind of down with that part. <laughs> I'm not down with the aliens inside you bit of Scientology, but whatever, like that's, I like the removing negativity. Like I think we need to do some of that and it's, and it's hard. And they also like you, you hit this really neat thing. He said, I gotta take this, go eat some Cheetos, right? Like, boy, oh boy, one of my biggest things I would I used to do was like, I just developed secondary bad habits. Like, you know, and you know, not eating well, not exercising well, not fitting other stuff in, especially when you're traveling. Part of my personal productivity and being good to myself is, you know, putting meals where they need to be, not eating you know not eating badly because it's the fastest thing i can get to you know making purposeful choices about that i mean uh, you've you've done a lot in that area as well like you you did a lot of stuff around personal you know exercise and, and weight loss like oh yeah yeah and and one of the you know one of my go-to's um when i am stressed or feeling uh, bad or overwhelmed, all of which are feelings that, as we're saying here, tie right back into social media and social media consumption if you allow them to. Uh, but one of my go-tos is bad food, just or too much food, or uh, you know, or not eating, just letting because you can get into this mentally depressed state. And when I am in that state, I don't want to eat well. I don't want to exercise. And and yeah, those are changes I've made in various ways over the last oh, 10 years or so keep trying different things and working on different things and lost a bunch of weight and I, I don't eat so much junk food i still like beer craft beer baby uh, we can have that's a whole different <laughs> podcast for us to have but i mean there's the, the the majority of what i eat is uh, is much improved over some of the things i used to allow myself to indulge in when you're just overwhelmed with the thing you wrote in the comments that you got back or this Twitter thread you got absorbed and it didn't kind of go the way you wanted to, or, and then pair those things with the, the, all the stuff going on in your email box and the project deadline that's looming, that's not quite done yet. And what do you do in the lunch hour? You, you go out, you overeat, and then you come back and you're hitting the vending machine for chips and soda in the afternoon. And because that makes you feel better. It seems like it makes you feel better, but you can, as we're pointing out here, opt out of some of the things that make you feel bad and uh, emphasize the things like exercise and good food that make you feel good, which leads to better productivity overall. I mean, it, do, it does for me. I can tell you in the morning when I get up what kind of a day I'm going to have um, you know, based on how I'm feeling. And I can correlate that almost always to how much physical activity I've been getting and the way I've been eating. When I feel bad, I look back at the way the last several days have gone. Yeah, I didn't do so good. Um, but then when I have a, a good run, and I'm more consistent with the, you know, the good diet and uh, hitting the treadmill or lifting some weights or go climb a mountain, then um, inevitably I am much more excited and mentally even looking forward to sitting down in my office and you know, getting rolling on whatever the project is. Yeah, I think I, I, I described it to somebody as, as managing whelm. 
and the people are like, what is whelm? I'm like, you know how you get overwhelm <laughs> and underwhelm? Like, I want whelm. I want the middle of the road. <laughs> and that's I want to manage to that I level like that. of, of yeah. control because one of the biggest things too is if you've got too much stuff going on, you're overstimulated and you then go to zero productivity. I and I, oh boy, I dance on this line all the time. I'm a like anybody listening. This is not like, I'm not the super, like none of us are like, are amazing. Like this is not a thing where we've changed where we never have to revisit it. Oh no, I fight this battle every day. Every day I have to make conscious, purposeful decisions around like, how's this day gonna go? And what was different was like, I now I know, like you talked before, it's like it's personal, there's personal responsibility that you have to inject into it. And like, hey, if I have a bad day and then I make bad choices, mm, my bad, not, the purpose, not the person that keynote explained me, like wrecking my day. Like, no, I wrecked my day by letting the person that keynote explained me take me to a place where I don't really need to be. Mm. And, and so for me personally, exercise is one of the things side effect is you, you look good, you feel good, whatever. Like, but really I'm a, I'm a distance cyclist and I like running. I'm not a runner, but I like to run. Uh, like I'm not a, I don't, study it. I don't like, I'm not training. I just, I run. And so I go running and you can't do anything else while you're doing it, which is great because the moment that you close out all that stuff, my mind, I'm like Elon Musk. All of a sudden, like I start, I'm like the guy from Limitless, just like words start pouring. Like I immediately unlock creativity. And then when I get back from that run, I, I go to paper. And I like write down some stuff like, Hey, I've got this great idea. Like, Oh my goodness. Like it really unlocks because it forces me to not do other things. So when I, I can't go to social media, I can't go to email. I can't do any of that stuff for an hour. That's the greatest hour because it's forced. And then what that taught me was, Hey, can I do that same tactic without going for the run? Can I mark out 11 to one every day and say, no social, you know, and now I have no social Sundays. Just don't open social media at all on Sundays. I'm like, it kind of was weird at first, but my wife and I both said like, Hey, let's just, let's just stop. Okay. <laughs> and it's weird. Cause everybody's like, you guys, okay. Like, actually we're great. <laughs> you know, they, well, they, that's funny. You reminded me of some, uh, I heard uh, somebody on a podcast this morning that was talking about this idea of living your best life which sounds very, you know, Silicon Valley kind of hocus pocus stuff. But the idea was, do you want to spend a bunch of time on social media and grind away your hours that way? You've only got so much time on the planet. So how are you going to carve that up? If a bunch of it's Twitter, uh, when it could have been, you know, going outside with, uh, you know, a family member doing some joint activity that you both like to do, how was that time better spent? What, what, what does it mean for you to live your best life? And a lot of us, I think, are just giving up time that we could have done something more productive or something more aligned with what our quote unquote best life would be because it's just easier to scroll and scroll and scroll. And it's the, the, that's a beautiful analogy of like that, there's that phrase, like what do you know, what do you want to be, you know, what is your best life? And, and it's often, I hear people too, when they, when they want to do a major project, you know, I always say like the, a person who writes a book, you know, that's great. And I'm not detracting from the fact they do that, but, but you know the difference between them and person who doesn't write a book? Commitment. And what does commitment mean? It's not commitment like I really want that. 
uh, I got a three-year-old. He really wants an alligator. It's not going to make the alligator happen. But if he, however, went out and got a job and decided to figure out how to become an alligator trainer and then got access to alligator, you know, mm. materials, that would be, that's the difference between him, right? He's three. So I give him lots of freedom. Still wants an alligator, you know, good on him. If you're 40, <laughs> you want an alligator, just wanting it isn't going to get it. You got to go to alligator training. Like, so what's yeah. the difference? It's the sacrifices and the trade-offs you're going to make. And that's that thing of like, I enjoy, God, this is great. I love going through Twitter and watching the world roll by. I love watching people interact. I'm, I'm a student of behavioral psychology. I love that stuff in a weird way because it's like, I'm, but I'm also watching it knowing that it's, it's, there's negativity and knowing there's challenges that people are getting involved in. And so I have a choice. Do I spend the day getting excited about studying people's downfall <laughs> in social media or do I do it for five minutes to remind myself like, whoo, oh, that's a little dark in there. Uh, okay, let's go write that book. And, and that's the trade-off that I have to make. Yeah, I love the point you're making about to, to get the things done you want to do. Sometimes you just got to do them. And if you do those things and you commit to doing whatever that thing is, writing that book, uh, to use our example, that means you're not doing something else. Something else is going to give up. And a lot of times you start to realize that stuff that ate up a lot of your time, like social media, doesn't really matter anymore. And you can just shut it off, which I guess goes back to your, well, I, I like your, your VOMO, the value of missing out. I think that's a great, a great notion. We should, uh, I don't know if that's first with you, Eric, or not, but that, that one should, uh, should get some mileage out there. VOMO should be a big deal. And it, it doesn't have to be like, and I'm, I'm also weird, like, cause I study, I love people who are super active on things. I love people. I love studying a lot of different ways to attack problems and then kind of like find the ones that work for me, you know? And again, like there's other people that talk about trade-offs, like, Hey, I'm a big fan of like, you know, Tim Ferriss and, 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 you know, I read like Jocko Willink. I don't get up at four o'clock in the morning. It's, it's no need to do that for me. I agree. <laughs> Jocko's a different sort of individual. Yeah. He's, he's a different beast. Right. And, but what I do is I read those things and I take the lessons that are in there. You know, it's like, I, I'm not religious, but I, I, I study religion because I know I'm looking for the parables that are in there that tell you a lesson that's actually a common lesson in behavioral psychology. Just so happens we've told it through a story. Uh, so I look for those things and, and that's it. It's the, the closer I get to people who, and you watch them just kind of get pulled into that machine and then they feel they get only the negative and no one's there to kind of say like, Hey, it's cool. You don't need to be at a conference. You don't need to be. That was another one too. Oof. Not going to a conference on purpose. Like that was weird. I'm like, I have every reason to go to everything that I get invited to. And I realized very quickly that I'm going to be living on the road. If I do so, I already have it as a job. So if I suddenly add four or five more conferences in and of themselves, each of them are exciting. But if I don't go to all five of those extra five conferences, I'm no worse off as a person. You know, I can watch it remotely. I can do other things. So it, it was a weird, it's a weird thing. It's a continuous battle, I think. And, you know, especially you, like, God, you, this is your business. Like you said, you're, you have to purposefully shove yourself into media. You have to push yourself in front of people all the time and to then be able to do that and then go and, you know, walk up a mountain and like kind of detach from it. I, I applaud you for how well you've really lived on both sides and you can pull yourself back and forth really, really well. 
Yeah, thanks for saying so. And it's still, but it's an ongoing thing, right? Because uh, you still fall back into the traps, at least I do. And I have to re-break habits that I've already broken once. And I keep discovering new tricks that help me retain focus. But with the screens in front of us, uh, you know, those of us that are knowledge workers, it's a, for me anyway, it's a battle that doesn't seem to end. Yeah. And I, I think it's, it, these are good lessons. Again, if anybody's, anybody's listening, like the very least, just go through, you've, uh, you've written some, some great posts on like how you use, use stuff like stay focused and, and use other things. We talked about that briefly last time. Yep. Um, I had one, I wrote a blog, it's called how product, how notifications are killing your productivity. Same idea of like a, a stretch on like kind of what you'd written. Uh, I still basically just stole what you wrote and then, and then made it mine <laughs> with hopes that because you're not on social, you'd never see it. <laughs> but, <laughs> so, but there's like, look around you. And that's the beautiful thing that the very system that's exposing you to the negativity also can connect you with people who have learned good lessons and can share them. So, you know, I encourage people to reach out to me. Of course, my, my DMs are open uh, and they do email me. So you, I will answer you, just maybe not right away. Uh, so I'm Disco Posse on Twitter. You can always reach out. I'm always, always good to chat with folks, you know, to help them, especially with this kind of stuff. Yeah, I'm uh, at EC Banks on Twitter. And if you tag me in a tweet, you know, just uh, with a mention, I do check those. It's not like I never checked. I do actually check them uh, now and again and would be happy to respond to you. Uh, and ethancbanks.com is my blog where I write about productivity. And of course, all the technical stuff I do is at packetpushers.net. And I uh, thank you again, Ethan. This is, this is a blast. Uh, what, if, if nothing, it reminds me, like you said, that this is a continuous thing. And, and even though, you know, I probably came out of a rough couple of days of getting some stuff done, but these conversations that it will reinvigorate me to go and, and, do the right things for a little while and, and kind of seek out that, that, that better life in, in at least an hour at a time. <laughs> Thanks for the invite, Eric. Appreciate it. We, there's more that we could chat. We're coming up on the hour, but I mean, there's, there's even more that we could chat about this topic as it's, it is evergreen. And Cal Newport has a new book, by the way, he Digital does. Minimalism. I haven't read it yet, but it's on my Kindle. I did the pre-order. I've got it. Looking forward to reading it. My favorite excuse when someone says like, I, 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 I was thinking about, I've got deep work, but I haven't had time to read it. I'm like, then you really need to read it. <laughs> yes. It's not even a hard read. And right. It's just like, just start. Trust me. You'll be 10 pages in and you will not stop. <laughs> it, it burns fast. But the fact when they always leave with like, I haven't found time, like then you very much need to read it. <laughs> nice. Awesome. Again, thanks again, Ethan. Uh, as always, I recommend folks uh, jump into the packet pushers and, uh, uh, thanks for listening to this podcast. Who knows? One one day we'll maybe uh, we'll maybe do some more. Try and get the whole packet pushers team on. I'd love to actually have you guys on again. You're always a blast to talk to. Thanks, Eric. You're listening to the Disco Podcast.